My favorite sermon on the resurrection is one I wrote 43 years ago. After Marilyn and I went to Chicago to see the first and only exhibit of King Tut's remains on American soil. At the time, I was preaching Mark's gospel and was drawing near to the account of the resurrection, so I couldn't help but note several obvious differences between the discovery in King Tut's tomb and the tomb of Jesus. The sermon I wrote focused on those differences, and I really enjoyed preaching. In fact, I preached it again several years later at a community sunrise service, and then again 20 years after that when going through Mark's gospel for a second time. Well, it's been 18 years since then, and as we come to Mark's account of the resurrection for a third time, I can't pass up a chance to preach it again. Like I said, I really like this sermon. Now, I don't think anyone other than Marilyn has heard it three times. You have, let's just go down memory lane together. I had long been fascinated by King Tut and mummies in general. So while waiting our turn to go through the exhibit, Marilyn and I visited the Egyptology section of the Field Museum and checked out the rest of the mummies. One of the things that we learned was that the mummification process took 70 days. Internal organs were put in canopic jars, and the body itself was salted packed with cloths that were saturated with spices and oils and then wrapped with layers of linen strips before being placed in a coffin. A simple but much less extensive process was used to prepare the body of our Lord. He died at 3 p.m. on Friday and the Sabbath began at 6 p.m. so they only had three hours to prepare his body for burial. Joseph of Arimathea purchased the linen cloth. Nicodemus donated a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes, and Jesus' body was placed in a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. Apparently the women weren't aware of how the body had been prepared or simply wanted to do more because they still wanted to anoint Jesus' body after two days in the tomb, being unable to do so on the Sabbath. So early Sunday morning, they headed for the tomb, and that's where we pick up our text today. And when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen, saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. On their way to the tomb, someone remembered 
that the tomb had been sealed. And the women became concerned about moving the stone that sealed it. It was probably a large circular stone that rolled in a track, but it was far too heavy for them to move. When they got there, they were surprised by what they found, just as Howard Carter was surprised by what he found when he discovered the tomb of King Tut in November of 1922. After years in research and planning and spending over $500,000 and five years actually searching for the elusive tomb, Howard Carter finally found it. It had been hidden under tons of rubble, and workers who had built the nearby tomb of Ramses VI had actually built their huts on top of King Tut's tomb. So its location had been unknown for 3,000 years. You can imagine the excitement when the first of 16 steps leading down into the tomb were uncovered. When the door was finally exposed, Carter got a jolt. He could see that holes had been bored into the upper part of the door and then resealed. He was afraid the treasure had been pillaged by professional thieves, as had the other 33 royal tombs that had been found in the Valley of the Kings. That same feeling came over the women when they arrived at the tomb of Jesus. The stone had been rolled away. They didn't know that earlier that morning an angel had come and in front of Roman soldiers had rolled back the stone. Not to let Jesus out, he was already gone. But to let everyone see that he had risen. John tells us that Mary Magdalene thought someone had taken the body of Jesus. When Carter finally got into the tomb, he eventually found four rooms all filled with treasure. And inside four shrines, a stone sarcophagus, and three coffins, all nestled inside of one another, was the body of King Tutankhamun. Yes, King Tut was still there. His linen-wrapped body was inside the final solid gold coffin. That's quite a discovery, but not nearly as wonderful as the discovery the women made upon entering the tomb of our Lord. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. Now, Mark doesn't mention it, but the first thing they noticed inside the tomb was that Jesus' body was gone. All that remained where Jesus had been laid were the linen wrappings. They were still lying there, filled with 100 pounds of spices. But the body was gone. The cloth that had covered Jesus' face, a bit common for the king of kings in comparison to King Tut's, Funerary man was rolled up himself. Jesus had bodily resurrected. 
leaving behind the funeral garb. Luke tells us, while the women were perplexed about this, something even more unexpected happened. Two men in dazzling apparel, two angels, appeared in the tomb. Nothing like that happened in King Tut's tomb. There were lots of gold-covered statues, but no real live angelic being. Even more exciting than their presence, however, was the message the angels delivered. Much information of historical value was discovered in King Tut's tomb. The hieroglyphics found on many of the chests and various articles, as well as the walls themselves, tell us much of the religion, the culture, and the politics of the 18th dynasty. Gaps in Egyptian history have been filled in. The messages of real value. But nothing compares with the message the women received from an angel in Jesus' tomb. And he said to them, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he said to you. I find it amazing they were told not to be amazed. The angel knew they were looking for Jesus the Nazarene who had been crucified. They were definitely in the right tomb. You know, skeptics like to propose the women had gone to the wrong tomb and that Jesus still lies in this unknown Syrian tomb. But the angel identified who it was they were looking for. Jesus, the Nazarene, who had been crucified by Roman soldiers, that same Jesus who had been laid in that very tomb, had risen. He was no longer there. Now, regularly at funerals, we make mention of the fact that the deceased isn't there, that they are gone spiritually. But Jesus had risen bodily, physically. His flesh and bone body had miraculously risen out of the grave cloths, and he had left. The angel pointed to the very place where he had been laid, but he was gone. Jesus had broken the bondage of death. Death could not hold him. That message needed to be told. So the women were instructed to go tell the disciples and Peter were singled out to be told personally. The last time we saw Peter, he was in remorse for having denied Jesus three times in just a matter of hours after swearing he would never forsake him and would even die with him if he had to. The angel specified that Peter was to be told because Peter needed the assurance that he was forgiven that he was still numbered with the disciples. That makes very clear the personal nature of the gospel. 
It isn't to be delivered only to churches. It's for individuals. The angel wants you to personally hear what Jesus has written. The women were then told to tell the disciples and Peter to go into Galilee and that there they would see him. Apparently they didn't believe it because Jesus had to personally appear to them in Jerusalem twice before they would go into Galilee. They shouldn't have needed convincing because Jesus had told them what he was going to do. He had told them he would die that he would arise after three days and that he would go before them into Galilee. They should have believed him and just gone. His word is trustworthy, even if it seems unbelievable. What Jesus says he'll do, he does. He said he was the son of God and that he would rise from the dead. And he did. He wasn't like King Tut's father, Akhenaten. Akhenaten claimed to be the son and the only intermediary between man and the sun god, Anton. He was able to convince most of the people to discard their numerous gods and to worship only Aten and his son, Akhenaten himself people lost faith in Akhenaten's claim to divinity, and he died. He wasn't revitalized by Aten, as he claimed he would be. He was dead and gone. His death showed his claims to be false and threw Egypt into religious confusion and back into polytheism during the reign of Jesus' resurrection proved him to be the Son of God. He did what he said he had done and proved to be who he claimed to be. What a message. What a discovery the women had made in that tomb on Easter morning. The reaction was similar to Howard Carter's when he first gazed on the treasure in King Tut's tomb. He was speechless when he first saw the treasure. Listen to his of the first glimpse of the treasure. Widening the hole a little, I inserted the candle and peered in. At first, I could see nothing. The hot air escaping from the chamber causing the candle flame to flicker. Presently, as my eyes grew accustomed to the light, details of the room within emerged slowly from the mist. Strange animals, statues, and gold. Everywhere, the glint of gold. For the moment, an eternity it must have seemed to the others standing by, I was struck dumb with amazement. And when Lord Carnarvon unable to stand the suspense any longer, inquired anxiously, can you see anything? It was all I could do to get out the words. Yes. Wonderful. 
compares with the reaction of the women as they left the tomb of Jesus. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone. But they were afraid. They were speechless for a time. The word translated astonished literally means ecstasy. The women were in ecstasy. They were caught up in an ecstasy of excitement and trembling awe at what they had seen and heard. Jesus had risen. He was alive. What a news release that was about. When news of the discovery of King Tut's treasure was finally made public, it had quite an impact on society. The discovery influenced women's fashion jewelry, and popular songs were written about it and were still being written 50 years later. Who can forget Steve Martin's King Tut routine? But you know, its impact was nothing compared to the impact of the discovery in Jesus' time. King Tut's treasure is impressive. Millions have seen it. But it has really done nothing to change their lives, except to give them a taste of the arts, whether they realize it or not. When we were standing in line, a woman commented that she never knew so many people cared about the arts. I've got news for her. I wasn't there to see art. I was there to see treasure to see a gold mask insured for a billion dollars. That's impressive. But the discovery in Jesus' tomb is far more impressive. That discovery has radically changed the lives of billions of people. Changing lives is the reason he came to earth, died and rose from the grave. What took place in Jesus' tomb makes all the difference in our lives. Treasure in King Tut's tomb was for his sake. All the treasures were there in the hope that they would guarantee his passage through the underworld into the nether world. All that treasure got him nowhere. He decayed in a golden coffin and is now on display in a museum. All that took place in Jesus' tomb was for our sake, not his. And it can absolutely guarantee your entrance into the glories of heaven. That's the treasure you must seek. A treasure that was found in a tomb outside Jerusalem nearly 2,000 years ago. But it's not a treasure that you just look at 
in a museum, or even in a church. It's a treasure you embrace because it's a person. It's the risen Son of God who wants to be your Savior and the Lord of your life. If you're willing to serve the risen Savior, the greatest treasure to ever come out of a tomb can be yours. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you oh so much. Risen Christ. Amazing things happen here on earth. And a lot of things catch our imagination and make us dream, but nothing happened, happened that compares to the resurrection of Jesus. May we not only stand in awe of our risen Lord, May we take the message of his resurrection to others. Let us tell the story of Jesus and his love and the fact that he conquered death. And because of him, we have the guarantee that we too will rise again. And our graves will really be empty. Thank you, Father. Jesus, our risen Savior, the one we serve today. In his name we pray.